Welcome, one and all, to episode 23 of Reese Rambles, the official podcast of Control Alt Reese, the global sensation, international award winning YouTube channel that it is. And uh, a big welcome is in order to all of my new listeners who've come in off the back of the uh, This Week in Reestro episode last week and uh, my channel update that went out on my main channel as well. And because of the uh, because of the format of last week's episode, I, I didn't do a preamble before I started, and there's uh, quite a lot of stuff to talk about. So I guess we'll talk about that now, as well as the uh, other stuff that's happened in the previous week, and the fact that I've been incredibly busy, and the fact that I've not timed anything very well at all as far as releases and things are concerned. So if you're expecting another roundup of uh, the week's news, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you, uh, and that is basically that um, I'm recording this earlier in the week this time around, just because of my schedule this week, and because I don't want to break my streak. Uh, obviously 23 weeks in is quite an achievement, especially as I've been away for a lot of that, uh, or at least some of that. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll have to get back to the news another time. But I've got a big list of stuff in front of me that I'm going to talk about, and hopefully we'll find it interesting. And also going to be talking about something that's bang up to date and like hip and cool with the kids. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how well that goes down. But yes, the channel update went out, and as I mentioned a couple of episodes back, I was quite... Um, uh, you know, I wasn't all that confident putting that out there. Um, I, I really wasn't sure how it would be received because I, in that I talked about stuff like advertising and sponsorships and my Patreon and, and you know, ways of supporting the channel and that side of things. And um, that stuff quite often doesn't go down very well. Um, you know, people people don't like to be uh, reminded that, that they you know, that the, the, there's an option to pay for stuff, even though, you know, I, I don't ask people to do it. I don't beg people to do it. Um, you know, I don't really lock anything away behind a paywall or anything like that. There, there is some kind of bonus content and stuff on there. But, um, you know, it's more a, more a kind of case of uh, just me hitting record on the camera and, and doing some stuff uh, just to give people a little bit extra, you know. So, um you know, but uh, anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm uh, basically trying to persuade people not to uh, not to sign up now, aren't I? Which is the the polar opposite of what I should be doing as a as a, a content creator. But there you go. But um, yeah, the point being that uh, that that was actually received quite well. Um, it, was, it was received really well um, as intended, and it was so massively off topic for my channel as well. You know, not one of my usual sort of highly produced uh, documentary uh, you know uh, <laughs> productions that I, I tend to do. Uh, definitely more something that that would have normally gone on the second channel or uh, or on here, but um, I think it's uh, I think it's good to uh, put that out in front of that main channel audience and just kind of have that conversation with them as well because they are, I mean, uh, I, I guess uh, everyone who listens to this and and, and who watches my second channel uh, also watches all the stuff on my main channel. I think it'd be a bit weird if you weren't. I think you're probably missing out on the uh, on the good stuff. Um, but of course, the the inverse isn't true. The audience on that channel is so much bigger, and then. A lot of them aren't even aware that this exists. So um, I think just occasionally, uh, you know, reminding them that I have a second channel and a podcast and stuff, and, and just kind of talking a bit about what's going on behind the scenes is uh, is beneficial. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it too often because um, yeah, that's that's not really what I want to do uh, with that channel. But anyway, here, here I am rambling once more, living up to uh, living up to the name of uh, of the podcast. So, as I mentioned, uh, I have been really busy uh, this past few weeks. I went away on holiday. It was uh, it was Catherine's 40th birthday. And then uh, the weekend after we got back from that, uh, we had a uh, big party at our house as well, of course, because uh, we couldn't take all of our friends on holiday with us, much as we would have liked to. And uh, the holiday, holiday was actually really relaxing. It's not, uh, not a typical one 
uh, for us at all. We're not the kind of people who like to sit around sit around the beach and then sit around the uh, the pool and, and read books and things. But that's pretty much exactly what we did for the entire week, and it was very relaxing and it was very nice. So uh, yeah, we went to Croatia. We managed to uh, miss out on the uh, literally uh, just missed the uh, massive heat wave that's just hit Europe. Uh, you know, it's like 32, 33 degrees C, something like that, at the time that we were there. So uh, really nice weather. Uh, one day there was there was a storm, which I think was kind of uh, brought in by that heat wave. And uh, that was the day that we uh, went swimming in the pool uh, because uh, everyone cleared out and uh, pretty much had the whole pool to ourselves because it was raining. But it was warm, so why not? Why not? But um, anyway, there you go. You're going to get wet anyway, so why not, you know, go in the pool? You can get rained on, swim in the pool. What's the difference? No problem. And uh, no queue for the bar either, which is good when you want uh, lots of pina coladas in the rain. There was a song about that once, wasn't there? Yeah, anyway. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, the, there's that. There was a holiday and then there was the party when we got back, which was really cool. And it also rained for uh, rained for that as well. Uh, in fact, it was absolutely torrential, which is fantastic. Uh, typical British barbecue weather, but we per persevered and uh, we had the barbecue and we had a wonderful time. And uh, yeah, this weekend, my best friend Sam and uh, uh, well, my other best friend, uh, Rachel, his uh, his other half, are getting married down in London. So their, their wedding was originally booked for uh, 2020 at a really nice kind of local uh, countryside venue, uh, really lovely. And then, uh, of course, it was 2020 and uh, that got cancelled. And then the venue actually went bust and it's now under new ownership. Uh, but it, it took them a really long time to get their money back and it was quite a lot of money. And, um, you know, it, it was all a bit touch and go at one point. But thankfully, they did manage to get their money back and they managed to rebook something much, much smaller. Um, but they're, uh, they're getting married in... Um, Mar I never know how to say this. Um, Marleybone in London. Is that how you say it? Marleybone? Um, Mary Lebone. But um, yeah, at the uh, at the town hall, I think it's called, apparently where uh, Paul McCartney got married one of the times that he got married. I think he's been married a few times, hasn't he? So that's cool. Very British. And we're doing like a, um, we're doing like a, you know, a London bus classic London bus tour thing with lots of alcohol and, and, and stuff involved as well, of course. So yes, very British. And apparently it's going to rain this weekend as well uh, while we're in London. So uh, yeah, rain, rain is uh, rains down on my entire existence at the moment. But you've got to stay positive and... Um, yeah, uh, apart from the fact that it's uh, wreaking havoc with my uh, my YouTube schedule and stuff, I'm trying to stay on top of things, but uh, I, I really would like to get something out on the main channel uh, sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, just uh, just kind of overcommitted on stuff and uh, too much real life stuff going on at the same time. So uh, you'll have to uh, settle for my second channel offerings and uh, and and of course the of course the podcast until things get back on schedule, which will be next week, I promise. Now, I've been playing a new Doom game. I know. Well, it's new to me. It's not new. It's uh, Doom 64, which was originally released on the Nintendo 64 back in 1997. And there was, of course, there was a remaster, which was, uh, I think that came out, was that last year or was it the year before? I can't remember. But that was done by uh, Night Dive Studios, who, of course, did the Quake remaster as well and uh, remastered some other stuff. Uh, MVG, uh, Modern Vintage Gamer, if you're familiar with his YouTube channel, uh, Demetrius, he's, uh, he was the lead developer on those projects. I think he's since left and moved on to other things. And... 
yeah, so they took Doom 64 and they remastered it and they released it on PC and Xbox and the Switch, I think, at the time. And I'd never played it. And I'm I'm a massive Doom fan. I, I, I love the original game. When we first got our first got our first PC back in 1994 at Christmas, um I, uh, we had the uh, the shareware episode of Doom pre-installed on it. I think like um, one of my dad's employees or uh, someone uh, installed a load of games and things on there. And we had the shareware episode of Doom. Uh, we also had Jazz Jackrabbit. And that's the other game that I uh, kind of associate with that Christmas. But um, yeah, played it to death, loved it. Eventually got my hands on the, uh, the full version. In fact, I think I actually got my hands on Doom 2 before I got my hands on uh, the full version of... Uh, I guess it would have been the ultimate doom, uh, you know, after that. But I've played them all through over the years, many different times on a few different platforms. And I just love doom. I love anything to do with doom. But uh, obviously I had doom three on the original Xbox um, and on the PC, although it didn't really run very well on my PC. And, um, you know, the, the, the new ones, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, like them a lot. I prefer 2016. I'm not sure if that's a, a very popular opinion. Um, I think Eternal kind of was a little bit overcomplicated and it felt quite quite long um, and introduced it kind of a few sort of game mechanics like the platforming and stuff that I wasn't all that enamoured with. But it was it was a bloody good game, don't get me wrong. But uh, I, th I think I just prefer the the slight uh, you know the slight uh, simplicity simplicity simp the slightly more simplistic 2016. Although of course that introduced a, no a load of new stuff over the original games. Uh, but great games, great series. But Doom 64 is one that I never played. Um, you know, I'd never owned an N64 back in the day. Uh, I had friends that had them, but, um, you know, we didn't really play on them all that much, to be honest. I think the few times I did, it was, you know, it was GoldenEye or Mario Kart or whatever. Uh, but that was, that was pretty much it. That was my experience with the uh, 64. And, um, of course, I, I picked it up and I, I played it for my N64 video that I put out a couple of months ago. The, Playing the uh, playing the N64 for the first time in 2023. I think I titled that in the end, and I liked it. I liked that you know I only really had time to play sort of the first couple of levels, but um, I liked what I saw and I vowed to go back to it. And then this week I recorded a second channel video where I was looking at N64 emulators on the original Xbox. Now, if you haven't seen that video, um, it's on this channel, so I guess I guess you can go and have a look for that after you've uh, listened to this. And I just checked out some N64 games and sort of saw how they ran on the original Xbox because I'm selling that N64 that I modded in that video. And uh, of course, I'll link to that eBay listing, although that will probably be just about finishing by the time you're listening to this, uh, depending on when you listen. Um, I don't say this to promote that, of course. Uh, it's just part of the story. Um, but yeah, so I went back and I revisited some games and I found myself playing quite a bit more of Doom 64, and I thought, there's been a modern remaster of this. I should probably buy that on the PC and, um, you know, actually play it properly, finally. And Doom 64 is an interesting entry in the series because um, although the story is, is kind of connected to the other Doom games, it, id Software themselves weren't actually actively involved in the development of it. I think, I think it was made by Midway, um, of all people, um, or maybe it was just published by them. But um, yeah, it's it's software. You know, John John Romero and John Carmack weren't involved because they were working on. I think I think they'd just released Quake, and maybe that's the point where kind of it's kind of started to drift apart and stuff. And um, it, it's officially sanctioned and officially licensed, and you know, it's got the Doom logos and a lot of the same weapons and a lot of the, the, 
the same enemies and stuff, and the story's kind of connected. But other than that, it's kind of its own standalone thing, and um, kind of used a lot of the uh, you know the N sixty four hardware to its advantage. So. You know, it's got like coloured lighting and stuff that the original Doom didn't have, and um, the the level geometry, and you know, you've got these huge like moving set pieces and things in the levels that are quite impressive that uh, that couldn't have been done using the original Doom engine. So, and uh, yeah, j just different levels, different uh, different story and stuff. And it's actually, I, I'd always kind of written it off, although apparently it was very well received at the time uh, by critics. Um, but I, I don't think it was a really big seller. I think um, as far as the public perception was concerned, it was like, oh, it's Doom. Well, you know, that's like a four-year-old game at this point. Oh, and it's not actually Doom. It's some kind of weird interpretation of it. And I, I don't think it really sort of landed very well with um, gamers of the time. I, I might be wrong. Obviously, the N64 wasn't really a world that I was kind of, uh, uh, you know, moving in at the time. I wasn't uh, moving in those circles and, and kind of involved with that uh, that world. So, but... Um, I think that was certainly the impression I got as an outsider. I mean, I would have been, I don't know, how old was I in 97? I would have been like uh, 13, wouldn't I? So yeah, the, the right age for it and a big Doom fan. But um, anyway, I'm just rambling, aren't I? Good. That's what we're all here for. And um, I, I, I got the impression, I, I don't know whether to do a proper review of it. It's kind of a... Uh, playing Doom 64 as a massive Doom fan for the first time in 2023. That's a, that's a long-winded video title, isn't it? That's not going to. Uh, that's not very good as far as clickbait's concerned. But um, yeah, it's. Um, I think uh, whoever made the levels was uh, quite a big John Romero fan. Obviously, he he was quite sort of famously known for his big complex levels that he he did for Doom 2. Um, you know where you've got buttons that you have to press in particular places that open up things on the other side of the level and you know you've got these it's kind of like puzzly elements almost obviously it kind of predated those kind of games but um really clever stuff his, his levels and if you played sigil which is his modern um you know the the modern uh, episode that he made for the original doom uh came out a couple of years ago uh, i actually bought the uh the the, the, the big box release of that because uh, I, knew, I knew it was going to be good because it's John Romero. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, that, that's kind of more of the same. But um, if you're into that aspect of Doom, like big complex levels with, uh, you know, you've got to run buttons and, you know, find your way through mazes and find out how to lower a particular platform to get a particular key or whatever. Um, you know, it's kind of got that, that more kind of puzzly aspect to it uh, rather than just sort of charging around shooting stuff. There's plenty of plenty of that as well. But um, yeah, really interesting game, really interesting game. And I don't know whether to, uh, like I said, I don't, I don't know whether to do kind of a standalone review of it. And I think... Um, Sort of mentioning that, uh, mentioning Doom Eternal as well. Um, obviously, I, I bought Doom Eternal, which was uh, which was the last kind of mainstream Doom game to come out uh, again a couple of years ago, and Doom sixty four was actually offered as a pre order bonus for that. But I don't pre order games, uh, partly because I like to see kind of real world reviews and experiences, and, and kind of see real people playing them before I before I commit to buying them, and partly because I don't really have any time to play uh, games uh, full stop never mind uh, never mind modern games but um yeah I, I, you know uh, I, I tend to buy them um you know like months or weeks after the fact and by that point you know e even like sometimes there's a get 
by the time the the game of the year edition comes out with all the DLC and all the extra stuff and you know the price has been reduced and if if I'd pre-ordered it and I just would have ended up, ended up like sitting on it for a year or whatever but um yeah and also yeah yeah you know that that whole aspect of uh, kind of wanting to see uh, see the public perception of it before I throw my hard-earned cash at it so I missed out on Doom 64 as the pre-order bonus and I had to buy it on Steam uh, and it was like 3.99 but um yeah I think it's uh, I think it's good value for money. One thing that all, all, that's kind of struck me about uh, Doom 64 is the uh, music or lack of as well. Obviously the uh, Atari Jaguar version famously didn't have any music. Um but uh, the, the the soundtracks to the original the first two Doom games were um you know re- a really big part a uh, really big part of the experience for me. Uh, really fantastic uh, music by uh, by Bobby Prince, uh, famously uh, ripped off from uh, lots of sort of heavy metal tracks and that kind of thing. Maybe maybe it had an influence on my taste in music. I don't know, but um, Doom sixty four is all this kind of weird, um, sort of creepy atmospheric stuff. They, they took it in a very different direction, and uh, it's quite cool. gives gives the game its whole uh, its own kind of identity uh, and atmosphere. But well worth checking out and. Um, I guess you could consider that a review, I guess. But um, yeah, it was just going to be a very quick aside just on something that I've been playing for the past, uh, you know, for the past past couple of days. But there you go. Now, a tale for you. And if you're this far in, um, I hope you're going to continue to listen, even if I uh, kind of lose you a bit with this one. And I apologise for this. And I actually, I wasn't sure whether to talk about this because um, it's not really uh, all that relevant to uh, the retro gaming and, and retro computing kind of stuff that I'm known for. In fact, it's not relevant to that at all. But it's a YouTube thing. And uh, funnily enough, um, my good friend Glenn from the uh, from the channel CRG, um, in fact, it, it, you should definitely check out his channel because if you're into my kind of stuff, you'll enjoy his as well. He does um, you know, a, lot, a lot of kind of retro computer uh, res- restorations and repairs and, and, and all of that side of things. Uh, really good channel. I will link him in the usual places. But uh, he popped up earlier today, in fact, um, asking if, if anyone had heard of this thing called Skibbity Toilet. I know, I know, bear with me. So, right, there is, um, so I, I signed up for threads. <laughs> God, there's, there's so much backstory to this. Let's, let's try and condense it down. So I signed up for threads a couple of weeks ago, which is, uh, of course, Meta, Facebook slash Instagram. Uh, it, it's their Twitter alternative. And... You know, I think it became obvious a couple of weeks ago that Twitter was kind of uh, imploding. And um, I think they must have been working on this thing behind the scenes for quite a while and um, kind of wanted to capitalize on that and and kind of grab some of those users that were jumping ship from Twitter and released it. And evidently, it's not really, um, wasn't really in any fit state to be, well, no, that's that's unfair. Um, it wasn't as complete as it probably should have been if it was being angled, you know, being marketed as a Twitter competitor. And so if you have an Instagram account, you know, there was a thing that popped up that was like, oh, do you want to create a Threads account? And I was like, yes. And part of the reason for that is because I have, obviously I have this YouTube channel and um, my name is out there, control alt Reese, And I think people kind of expect me to be represented on these social platforms. But also, you know, with with all my uh, kind of ambitions of global domination, inevitably one day I'm going to have a million subscribers and people are going to want to impersonate me. So for similar reasons uh, to, you know, the reason that I I signed up on Patreon and stuff like that, uh, just to uh, just to sort of grab my name. 
I thought I'll sign up for Threads as well. And hey, you know me, and you, you know, and, all, all right, I'm 39 years old, but um, I'm I'm still cool. I'm still hip. I'm down with the kids. I'm uh, on trend with all the latest uh, all the latest social comings and goings, of course. So I had to check out Threads, uh, and I was on there on day one, and it was really nice for the first kind of week, and it, you know, it smashed all sorts of. Uh, records for uh, like user growth and stuff as well because it was literally just go onto instagram and press one button and there you go you've got a threads account um and you know copied all your uh, profile and all of the accounts that you're following and stuff like that and anyway th- th- this is relevant to the th- the toilet thing I-, I promise and i follow a guy evidently at some point i'd followed a guy on instagram called ludwig now you may be familiar with ludwig he's he, he's a really huge gaming streamer on Twitch and he's done I think I think when I first discovered him um so he he lives in LA and he uh, he he organized this chess boxing tournament last year which a couple of YouTubers that I am a fan of um participated in and he he hosted the whole thing and and kind of I think he kind of funded the whole thing up front as well really really huge event and uh, you know really well organized and went down really well and I don't know, just because just he was kind of friends with a lot of the people that I was already watching and, and just because of the way he came across in that, I thought, oh, you know, I'll check out some of his other stuff. And he also releases videos on YouTube, which tends to be kind of edited versions of his Twitch streams. Um, and I think I watched a few of those and I was like, yeah, you know, I like this guy. I like the cut of his jib. I'll subscribe to his channel. And then evidently followed him on Instagram at some point. And he was one of my fellow people who were there on threads on day one. You see the stories all coming together, all the, all the threads uh, coming together. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's good. That that kind of uh, that, that's another thread in the thread of in in the thread of threads. This tangled ball, tangled ball of threads, which I weave. What what on earth was that? Anyway, right. So um, I followed Ludwig on Instagram, and of course created Threads account, as did he, and it automatically followed him. And he was posting about this thing called Skibbity Toilet. And uh, he was basically asking, asking, should I check it out? Now, what this thing is, and um, Glenn uh, CRG uh, mentioned this earlier as well, because apparently his 11-year-old is absolutely obsessed with this. And um, the, the way Ludwig described it, so Ludwig's 26. And the reason I know that is because he mentions it in quite a lot of his videos um, in the context of, oh, I'm 26 years old. I'm too old for this. I'm going to have to retire soon, which uh, obviously kind of watching it as a 39 year old who does similar stuff and makes videos on YouTube. It's like, mm, no, I don't, you know, you know there's, there's life in you yet, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, I, I have promised to people that I won't talk about getting old uh, on on uh, on Reese Rambles again in future because uh, apparently it's not something we like to dwell on. But um, yeah, he he was saying that uh, you know I'm 26 years old and, and this is this is a Gen Alpha meme. Now apparently Gen Alpha, Generation Alpha, you've probably heard of the you know the Boomers and the Zoomers and the Millennials. I think I'm a Millennial. Um, yeah, people who are kind of coming of age in the kind of late 90s, turn of the millennium. Um, the last generation that knew what it was like to uh, not be online 24-7. And apparently the generation that were born after 2000 are known as Generation Alpha. I'm not really sure why, or Gen Alpha for short. And this is a meme that's kind of come out of and is massively popular with that generation. Now, the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this and the reason I kind of thought it was relevant as a YouTuber is because... These videos, and there's 50 of them and counting, I think, uh, based on based on the ones that Ludwig covered. 
Uh, these videos have 200 million views each. And to put that into, into perspective, 200 million views is Mr. Beast territory. I mean, that's the kind of view count that his videos get. And he is, you know, the biggest individual creator on the platform. There are, you know, there are like music videos and, and sports stuff and, and news stuff and things like that, that that do get more than that. But ultimately, if you're making videos that have got 200 million views per video, uh, you know, within like weeks of them being released, um, they are the biggest videos on YouTube. I mean, what I'm talking about here is is like the biggest thing on YouTube right now. And all of the old people like us have absolutely no idea that it's going on. And to be honest, uh, part of me kind of kind of uh, thinks that maybe we're better off not knowing. But um, it's it's quite interesting. It's, it's such an interesting phenomenon. And um, yeah, you know, Glenn Glenn said his eleven year old's obsessed with it. And has anyone heard of it? And I was like. Yes, I have actually. I watched a video on this just the other day by, you know, by this this Ludwig guy. Um, you know, as he kind of went through them all one by one as a, a bewildered looking 26 year old wondering what on earth is going on. So to save you, uh, save you having to watch them yourself. Basically, these these videos are that it started off as a series of shorts, although they are being released as uh, normal, normal YouTube videos as well now. And they're between I think the first one was like 11 seconds long. And uh, they're, they're sort of between sort of ten seconds and a minute long each of these videos, and it, at first it starts out. Um, I'm going to have to describe this, aren't I? So, if you remember Half Life Two, which was uh, sort of back two thousand and two ish, I think that came two thousand four ish. Who knows? Around that era, uh, when that came out, obviously there was um, you know the, the Source engine and, and Valve, who made that game, were, were very. Uh, uh, very keen on people kind of modding it and, and being able to sort of do their own thing with it and, and kind of turn it into, uh, you know, their own kind of games and, and create their own content for it and that kind of stuff. And off the back of that came stuff like Source Filmmaker and uh, Gary's Mod, where basically you could take all of the assets from the game uh, and you could just like, you know, build your own scenarios and stuff and you could animate it all and then kind of record it as if you were there, like a cameraman recording what was going on. And... Um, yeah, you know, use like the models from the, from Half Life Two, uh, the various characters and and enemies and buildings and things that were in that game. And what someone has done is they've taken Gary's mod, which is, you know, it's like ten years old. Ten years old. Oh my god, it's twenty years old. It's twenty years old itself. Uh, Jesus. And um, yeah, they've um, made this series using using Gary's mod or, or G mod as it is it's often known, and. Essentially, what it is, is the very first video um, is kind of set in this office building and there's a toilet in the corner and like the, the camera kind of swings around and then this head pops up out of the toilet and starts singing this song. And the song sounds like this. What the heck is going on on Skibbity bomb 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 yes yes, which is obviously where the skibbity in in skibbity toilet comes from, and this uh, this song is a recurring theme throughout this series. So um, yeah, basically there's there's a toilet and this song plays and a head pops out of the toilet and it sings the song, and then it kind of turns the face to camera and makes this creepy face and then the camera zooms right in on the face like a jump scare kind of thing, and that's the first video. And like I say, it's like eleven seconds long, and you, and you watch this thing and um, it's like. What on earth is this? You know, it's it's idiotic. <laughs> you know, I can see why little kids like this. Um, and you kind of write it off. But um, 
because of the way that Ludwig is, and because you know he's such a good, uh, such a good speaker and such an engaging presenter, I, I stuck with the video and I carried on watching it, and I wanted to see how this thing unfolded. And he actually ended up watching all fifty of the videos in this series, and it turns into like this. It's like this whole ever escalating battle between all these different warring factions in this city. Um, you know, you, you've got the toilet guys who pop out of their toilets and they sing their song and then they like zap people with their eyes and stuff. And then you've got these these army of guys that come along who are obviously like the resistance who are trying to fight them off. And, um, you know, they've got like CCTV cameras for heads and, it's, you know, every few videos one side will, will kind of develop some kind of new attack to kind of, you know, defeat the other side. And then, the, you know, the other side will, will develop a way to kind of defend against it. And it's like this whole ongoing arms race thing. And it's one of those things that's, you know, it's stupid, but it's, <laughs> I don't know, I, I found myself getting sucked into it. And like I say, this, this is a thing that 10-year-olds like, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But uh, yeah, there's this whole kind of surrealist humour. And um, of course, you know, you know, like back in the 70s, there was, um, you know, like Monty Python's Flying Circus. And then, I don't know, the 80s, it was like the, the Mary Whitehouse experience with that an 80s thing. Um, and then, like in the nineties, we um, obviously kind of the era I was growing up. We had um, stuff like Monkey Dust, if you remember that, the cartoon sort of series that was on late night. I think that was on BBC Three in the very early days. That was probably early two thousands, actually. Um, but you know, we we had um, you know got quite surrealist comedy stuff like Spaced and um, you know all, all of that kind of uh, weird stuff. And um, that's that's kind of continued. Uh, League of Gentlemen, um, you know, kind of continued through uh, the early two thousands. And this is just kind of this generation's version of that. A, a generation of people who've grown up on the internet, watching short videos. You know, people who are permanently online, watching on mobile devices. And it's just kind of it's it's just that kind of surrealist humour, but uh, kind of built using uh, you know languages and, and cues and things that that generation understands. And um, yeah, not to want to, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not qualified to uh, pick it apart and analyse it or anything like that. But um, I just found the whole thing really interesting because it was just like this this whole world that um, obviously we're not uh, we're not usually sort of privy to. And it was like, oh, and there's actually there's 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 some creativity there, you know. There's um, you, I mean, as he went through and, and kind of picked apart the uh, the various videos, you could see. Uh, you know, there, there was like inspiration from various things that, you know, anim anime and, and stuff like that. And, you know, very specific um, things. That I, I, I don't know anything about it, but um, yeah. And um, I, I like to keep an open mind with this stuff. I think because I am online and I am creating stuff and making videos, obviously, you know, I, I can sit here and I can be boring and I can fix old computers and I can do that. And there's plenty of people out there who want to watch that. And um you know, that's fine. I enjoy that. You know, I say boring in it. <laughs> I don't mean to kind of dismiss what I do. Um, but, you know, it's 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 really interesting to see kind of what's going on. And it's it's the reason, and I've mentioned this before in, in these rambles, you know, it's the reason I watch people like, you know, Mr. Beast and, and people like that, because it's just interesting to see what the wider picture of, of YouTube looks like and, and what kind of, you know, what kind of stuff people are watching for entertainment. And it was just really funny earlier today just to, you know, having watched that and kind of having kept it all to myself and, and not really been sure who to uh, who to discuss it with. It was just really funny to see someone like Glenn just come out of the woodwork and be like, has anyone heard of this thing? Because it's weird. So, yeah. So there you go. But um, 
yeah, I'm glad I've had the chance to get that off my chest. To be honest, you're not really missing much if you don't watch it. Um, but hey, if you want to, uh, if you want to see what uh, what the kids are all uh, are all up to these days, oh, apparently there's a, a Roblox game as well. So I'm not really all that familiar with Roblox, but apparently that's quite big with the kids. And um, yeah, it's uh, old man Reese here talking about the kids and the youth of today. But um, yeah, it's. Um, it's this game. It's like a, I think it's like a third-person game where you're um, basically people can kind of make their own games within the game. And he was saying that um, his his kids basically uh, have been playing uh, basically like a game adaptation of this meme that somebody's made in Roblox that apparently is also massively popular uh, in its own right. So there's like this whole kind of ecosystem of, of memes that are growing up around this meme, and it's like oh. Wow, it's a it's a quite a fascinating a fascinating world. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's um, all I have for you for this week's ramble. Bit of a weird one, but um, normal service shall resume. I say that every week, don't I? Normal service shall. I don't think there is such a thing as normal with Reese Rambles, is there? What is normal? You know, maybe uh, maybe I don't want to be normal. Uh, but yeah, um, I'll do something else next week anyway. Um, but I need to go and um, do some work and prepare for my uh, best friend's wedding. Not the, uh, the 90s film, but um, was that a film? Oh, sounds like that was a film. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so I will uh, I will see you all next week. Thank you very much. Uh, go and subscribe to go and subscribe to CRG because he's a lovely chap. And um, yeah, he, uh, he he's the one who gave me the confidence to talk about Skibidi Toilet. OK, bye.